Welcome to Nurture Small Business, creating a thriving space with your host, Denise Kagan. Denise is the president of DCA Virtual Business Support and has been a business owner for almost 20 years. DCA Virtual Business Support provides small businesses with an expert pairing of virtual administrative and marketing assistance to match your needs. Learn more at dcavirtual.com. Today we have with us Wendy Pease, owner of Rapport International, a translation, interpretation, and language services company. Wendy has a long history of international marketing and business development. She's a frequent speaker and writer on language, culture, marketing, HR, entrepreneurship, and exporting. And today we'll be discussing how to take your company global. Welcome to the show, Wendy. Thank you. I appreciate being here, Denise. No problem. So before we jump into the how to go global, let's talk a little bit about the why by discussing the benefits of going um, exporting or selling internationally. Well, there's a huge opportunity. I mean, companies that export tend to pay higher wages. They grow at faster rates. They have happier employees. You balance currency risk by being invested in different places. Um, you extend the life cycle of your more mature products. You give them new life in other markets when their life cycle comes to an end in the U.S. Um, and also when the U.S. may be on a slowdown, you've got other countries that could be rising. So there's, there's a bunch of opportunities that uh, are really out there for exporters. Great. And so um, how would a company even think about starting their adventure in international sales. It's interesting because years ago, it used to be that people had to make a plan for how they were going to export. And they'd go to get the federal or state agencies that are out there to help exporters. And they'd have to pick a country and they'd have to get introductions and they'd have to do a visit over there. But we've seen a change over the last uh, maybe five to 10 years, where there's something called an accidental exporter. And these are people in the U.S. that just have their antenna out. They start getting emails from other countries and they think, huh, seems to be a demand for my product there. So they start doing a little bit of translation, like putting a landing page on their website and increasing it. And from there, they can grow. And the, the resources are still there when they want to expand. But working virtually is so much more accepted. And this already, 90% of the export, 97%, almost all of the exporters are small and mid-sized businesses. So it's not just the big, you know, global companies that you see out there. There's a lot of small manufacturers and consumer products, business-to-business services company, technology companies that are out there. And um, so if you're, you know, a small business owner, you can still think about um, um, doing that. Um, so it, it starts with a strategy. You know, where, where is there a market for your goods and services? And then test it online. So if, if I wanted to sell my services um, globally, would it be in my best interest to just start with countries that are English speaking? A lot of companies do that. You certainly can because you're less intimidated by the language, but there's still a cultural difference. And a lot of the companies that want to start going international will think of Australia or the UK or Ireland to go to sell to. So already you've increased the competition. So why not think about 
other countries and translation expense is a small one compared to the benefit of what you can bring back. Um, the expense is probably comparable to hiring a professional writer, but um, there's it's better off to think about what country has more of a need for your service rather than what language. And so it would be the same as if you were going to expand into another state, do you just go to the close one or do you go to the one that you're going to have a bigger potential, get a bigger bang for your buck? So say I wanted to expand in South America, which is um, multiple languages, but largely Spanish. And I don't have a Spanish speaker in my company. So then what? There are a lot of things you can do. We just had a request from a company that was getting um, inquiries from Japan. And he said, well, I want to hire somebody that can get on the phone and have a conversation with these people. So we had a long conversation about it and then realized that the questions that he'd get from potential customers were going to be the same questions. He could anticipate them just as we all can. And so rather than getting on the phone call, um, which he'd pay and use an interpreter once, he developed a landing page that would answer all the primary questions. He made it easily accessible to any Japanese visitors. And then people who wanted to buy could buy online, but they have all their questions answered right there. So if you have a product or service um, that you could sell right over the line without any interaction, that's one way to do it. Another way to do it is have a, a telephone interpreter. So it doesn't li limit you to just the Spanish in South America, but you could also handle the Portuguese for Brazil um, or any other language that would call in for an inquiry, you can get, you know, over 200 languages on telephone interpreting on demand and you just pay by minute. So there are a lot of ways that um, you can build your content, have it translated and accessible or pay for the services just that you need, not necessarily having to hire someone. And is this the same approach you would take to, um, maintain quality with your new customers if you didn't have that language spoken in-house? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Quality. It, it, it's, it, there's such a variance in quality. Um, and if you go, I mean, there's all sorts of stuff about Google Translate. You can see that it just shouldn't be used for high quality. But it's opened up the whole world of getting the gist of what somebody's saying. So avoid the Google plugin on your website. That's, that's just putting a wrong foot forward. It's like having your third grader write your marketing content. Um, and you have to think about what content you have and what quality does it need to be. And then you need to make sure that you're working with a professional translator or an agency that guarantees their quality. So you make sure that you're communicating clearly. Yeah. I've had a couple of faux pas with Google translate, so I totally understand what you're saying. Um, oh, please send them over to us. We love to use them as educational minutes on our, our social posts. We can create a great meme for it. Um, so, so clearly you recommend human translators over technology. If it's something that can affect your bottom line, if it's uh, anything that could give you liability, you still have to have a human involved. Okay. And so if I wanted to go global and truly global, like everywhere, how many languages would I really need to translate? 
So they're about, they're, I've heard anything from 3,000 to 6,000 languages in the world. And unfortunately, we're losing a lot of them because they're small local languages or tribal languages that people are having to learn a more dominant language. And so um, the culture is just meshing in with globalization and TV. TV, the great equalizer. <laughs> Netflix is doing fantastic. And um, so you're not, you don't need to know that many. We offer over 200 languages, but if I really got down to it, there's probably a dozen or a couple dozen languages that if you're, you know, for your company, um, you'd need to translate into to hit the whole world. Okay. Well, that sounds way more doable than 3,000 or 6,000. <laughs> yeah. And the thing is, is you start with one and you develop a process. So we always say, start with your translation management plan. You know, I already talked about strategy. Then you develop a process, which you could have your VA implement once you figure out what you're going to do. So you'd be a wonderful resource for that. Then you look at what technology you'd want to leverage um, to get to, to make sure everything's working smoothly, and then you maintain the quality that you want. So once you figure that out for one language, it's easy to do another language. Okay. And how do I decide what I want to translate? There are a bunch of different ways you can do it. One is if you are doing social media. Well, okay. So I love the book by um, Marcus Sheridan, They Ask, You Answer. And it talks about the five big questions that a potential client is going to ask. So number one, you want to think about when somebody's going to your website, what are the questions they're going to ask and are you answering those? Another way to look at it is just look, you know, what what are people coming to your website to translate? Another way to look at it is the buyer's journey. This is traditional marketing. You know, when they come in, um, you know, you need to create awareness, then you have to have interest, then you've got to bring them through the decision stage, and then you've got to delight them. And so do you have material all along the way that is going to communicate with your employees, I mean, with your potential clients? If um, you have technical documentation, user manuals, legal contracts, you have to think about all of that through in your company. So you could actually think about it also through, um, you know, each of your company, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, you know, you have marketing, you have legal, you've got accounting, you've got HR, you know, all of your company divisions. Mm -hmm. Pardon? Oh, I was thinking compliance. Yeah, and then you've got compliance. So each of the departments in your company, you know, or are you making sure that you're communicating across everything? And that makes perfect sense. So, Wendy, can you give me an example maybe of a smaller project that you've done and what that looked like? I'm sorry, can you repeat that? Can you give me an example of a smaller project that you've done and what that looked like? You know, what were, you know, some of the steps and things that you completed? And you don't have to tell us the company name, of course, just, you know, the type of company might be helpful. Okay, well, we've worked with Tomi for years. And if you're not familiar with Tomi, it's a huge international brand. And they do a lot of consumer products in the toy industry. And so they'll have packages that they want to distribute 
um, out to the retail stores or sell online. And on the packaging, they've got the trilingual packaging because here in the U.S., you've got a lot of Spanish speakers and you're very close to Canada. And so they put the three languages on there and that can be a minimum charge. But there's some special considerations for that because the content's not long, but the layout is very important because if you imagine you're in a store and you're scanning things, it, it has to be big, bold, clear, and then it's got to give the instructions and you don't have a lot of space for doing that. Um, so that's we'll either do the layout or their designers will do the layout and then we'll proof it. So that's a little thing that can make a huge difference in sales. And, you know, just thinking about translation for the U.S. market, did you know that the second largest Spanish-speaking market in the U.S. is here in the United States? I'm not surprised. <laughs> I did yeah. not know that, but I'm not surprised. Um, yeah. Mexico's the largest. We're the second. And then you think of all the other Spanish speakers. So you don't even have to leave the U.S. to become a bilingual marketer. And so I know that with your projects, they're probably going to vary in scope. And how long would it take to to get your website, marketing materials, et cetera, ready to, to launch globally, and what would that cost look like? Uh, yeah, the quick answer to that is it depends. I just did a social media post about that, that it can be $95 to $100,000 <laughs> to do it. So it depends on the number of products or services that you're trying to sell. But a good rule of thumb is that um, for timing, is that you think about a translator, a human translator can do about a thousand words per day. Now they do more, but that gives you a guideline for how you think a, how long a project's going to take. And then for costs, um, $95 is our minimum charge. Uh, and if you think about if you were going to hire a writer, to pr prepare content for you, how much would that cost? I'm seeing just on my unofficial research that that's about the same. And so, yeah, the writer has to do more investigation and questions and think about it. But translation, you've got somebody who's fully bilingual and they're trying to get the message across. So it's almost a, a rewrite. It's definitely not word for word. Otherwise, machine translation would work. Absolutely. And I think you're right. I think the, the cost for a copywriter is somewhat comparable. So, Wendy, if people want to reach out to you after our podcast, how will they reach you? Uh, you can find me all over LinkedIn. We love to do funny translation stories and educational bits about it. And so I'm just Wendy Pease um, on LinkedIn. And if you search Wendy Pease Translation, I'll definitely come up. You can go to our website, which is Rapport, which is spelled R A. P-P-O-R-T, translations, with an S, dot com. Um, or you can call 978-443-2540 and ask for me, and I'm happy to talk to you. Perfect. Well, Wendy, thank you so much for joining us. And um, hopefully this will give some of our listeners an opportunity to assess what they need to do next to go globally. Thank you. It's great talking to you. Thank you for joining us for today's Nurture Small Business, creating a thriving space podcast. 
Learn more about your host at dcavirtual.com or by emailing her directly at denise at dcavirtual.com.